Hi, I'm Colleen Nolan, and this is my podcast, Let's Talk About Grief, a Reach production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Over the five episodes, I'll be using this platform to chat to my special guests about their very own personal experiences of death, grief, and the ways in which they've chosen to remember their loved ones. Each week, we'll touch on a different theme, from losing a parent, sibling, or spouse to dealing with grief in lockdown. We'll uncover how many guests handle the initial blow of losing a loved one, how and where they found support, and the coping mechanisms they continue to rely on to get them through the toughest of times. They'll also be sharing their best advice in the hope it will help anyone out there who needs to hear it most. We'll also look at what happens in the weeks that follow the funeral and explore the many moving, creative ways my guests choose to keep the memory of their loved ones alive. I'll also be joined by cruise bereavement specialists and co-op funeral care team to share their valuable knowledge. My hope is that this podcast brings comfort and offers advice to people who need it most, whether it's someone suffering a bereavement or someone supporting them. This podcast is a Reach production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Together, no one has to deal with bereavement alone. People say one day at a time, it's one hour at a time. You feel guilty for smiling, you feel guilty for not thinking about them for half an hour. I miss him every day, there's not a day goes by, that, seriously, that I do not think of him. And and that's okay as well. I just always say to friends or whatever, like I said, you don't have to go through it alone. We had a Bichon Freeze Hudson. When he died, it was the last little piece of Brian for yeah. me that was dying as well. Mm. And he used to lie on the bed with me, Hudson, and he would wake me up licking tears off my face, mm. where I'd be crying in yeah. my sleep. You think... I don't want to be here and you're going to, you know, possibly get really bad thoughts. Don't phone someone. Because I I was suicidal at times, but I would have missed out on your kids growing up. I still have a T-shirt. I still buy... He used to wear Dior Fahrenheit um, aftershave and I still spray that on the pillow sometimes just so I can... That smell of him there, yeah. Also remember that if you get up and you go out and get some fresh air and a walk, Mm. it it helped. It really does help. Mm. Well, it's a family affair today, isn't it? (laughs) I'm joined by my sister Linda. Your favourite sister. Okay, I'll say that because you're here, but don't tell the others. So, you know, we're here and we're talking about grief and how you move on and the moments that it happen. And obviously, I know you've been through so much. Yeah. The last one being Bernie. Yeah. I mean, there was a time, the first time it was like we lost... You lost Brian, didn't you, your husband? Brian in uh, September 2007 and then mum three months later. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it was horrendous. I and thought. going through breast cancer at the same yeah. time. Yeah. How did you find the strength to cope with that? I think because you have no choice. Well, you do. You have a choice. You know, I phoned Samaritans at one point mm. because I thought, I can't do this. And I had an amazing you know, mm. support through yourself, the other mm. girls and uh, Tommy and Brian, our brothers. People say one day at a time. It's mm. one hour at a time initially. Mm. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And people say, oh, you'll be fine. You're strong. He'd want you to do mm. that. And you think, yeah, but I don't know how. I remember I had a, a counselling appointment and I went to see her and I just I just kept saying, I, I, don't, I don't know what to do. Because you'd been together. We'd, he was my first love, yeah. you know. I met him when I was 20 uh, we got married when I was 22 and so we were 
we celebrated our silver wedding and he died the year after that. So 26 years married. And 24-7 together. And 24-7, yeah, because we worked together as well. And I, I know I was lucky, you know, and I, I know that a lot of people don't have that, that mm. love in their life. So now, what is it, 13 years later, now I can look back and smile at happy times. But, yeah. but then it was... I think I, I say to people now, whenever somebody says, oh, it's terrible, so-and-so has passed away, and I immediately think of their partner mm. because I get that feeling inside of hopelessness and helplessness. And I think, uh, and so if, if they ever, you know, if it's friends or whatever, I do say to them, the one thing I promise you is that it will get easier. Mm. And it does get easier because I can is it now... A, is it a thing of almost like learning to live with it? You learn to live a different life. A different life. Because uh, my whole life, you know, half of me had gone, you know. Mm. I'd never slept in a bed on my own until Brian died because mm. I'd shared with Bernie and, mm. you know, we were kids, we used to share a bed. I remember I used to text you jokingly and go, I've done a man job, I've mm. changed a light bulb, yeah. you know, because he completely spoiled me. It's learning to do things, you know. It, I remember, you know, just like ordering things on the internet or even being able to have a laptop and, mm -hmm. yeah. and do it more and used to go to me, look at you, Brian would be so proud, you know, <laughs> and all of that. And, I do uh, remember you phoning me one day and you didn't know how to put the hoover together. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. You said, oh, you'll right. have to come round, I can't, I don't know how to do the hoover. And I was going, that's shocking, Linda. I know. Well, friend, we, we were friends with um, Mike Reed, the comedian yeah. Mike Reed, and his wife Shirley, we were great friends with them. And at one point she pulled me to one side and said, you need to you need to learn about life. Yeah. You know, your you need day to, to day life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I remember when, when Brian died and Ray, mm. God bless him, and uh, and Mark, friend of ours, they came and said, Where's your phone? Where's your papers? Where's your insurance? And I was going, I don't know. Mm. What company are you with? I don't know. Mm. Because for Brian, he I sang and I earned our money that yeah. way. And for him, looking after me was his way of, of kind yeah. of, you know, being equal, if you like. Mm. Um, and so I, I didn't. And so I was spoiled to a fault in some mm. ways, but um, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Do you think um, because mum died not long after that, it's very hard for your brain to process too much grief at once? Yeah, absolutely. Do you think it made it... You grieved less for mom because you were still grieving Brian. I did, and I felt guilty. Yeah, guilt's a big thing. I felt, oh my God, you feel guilty for smiling. You feel guilty <coughs> for not thinking about them for half an hour. Mm. Or, you know, I, I've i decided to keep Brian's ashes at home, you know. Mm. And initially, I'd, I'd go to him sometimes. Why have you left me? Mm. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'd go downstairs, and then half an hour later, I'd go up and go, sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean it, really, because mm. he didn't want to leave me, you know. Mm. But... um. Yeah, I think with mum, I think I, I completely, as you know, with mum at, mm. at, at, at the um, the crematorium, I completely lost it. And I think it was everything together yeah. had just all of a sudden hit me. And But I do remember going in again to my counsellor and saying, I just feel guilty that I didn't feel as bad losing mum mm. as I did. But I guess because mum was different older guilt. and she had Alzheimer's. So I was saying previously as well that it was almost a relief when mum passed away because to watch her in that. Yeah, in that absolutely, because was, it was no life, was, was it? No life, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, but it was still such a shock for me, though, yeah. oddly enough. But I, I remember sitting there when she died. I sat with her for about half an hour on my own, and Tommy and Brian were saying, come down. I said, I just want to have a chat. And I was mm. saying to her, you know, say hi to Brian if you yeah, see yeah. him. And, yeah, and, and of course, when I was ill, the two people that I missed the most, ridiculous, was Brian and Mum. Because in the middle of the night, if I sat up, you know, because I felt rubbish from chemo or whatever, Brian used to just kind of rub my back and mm. say, 
can I get you anything? No. So then I'd lie down, he'd, he'd play with my hair or mm. whatever, you know. And and with mum, I just wanted her, you know. You always to, want your mum. Absolutely. Like, I wanted yeah. her to put me on the couch with the bunty, yeah. you know, and, and, and a, a Jaffa, Jaffa orange. orange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that was it, though. And then, of course, moving forward, not that many years later, of course, <laughs> we lose Bernie. Oh, yeah. Which I think completely rocked. Not that the others didn't. No. But it really... They're all different losses. They're all different losses. And I think it really rocked us as a family oh. losing Bernie because she was kind of the life and soul of the family. She was. I, I remember saying at her funeral that we were broken mm. because, uh, yeah, she was... You know, we're, we all love each other, obviously, but she was so family-orientated, yeah. wasn't she? Mm. Didn't matter what happened. If she came to Blackpool, we all had to have a party. Yeah. And then when you're leaving at four in the morning and she's going, oh, don't, don't be, go. Don't, yeah. You know, don't be such a spoil sport. <laughs> it's still early. Don't go. I remember going up to see her the weekend before she passed away. And I sat with her and it was so weird because she was saying to me, because she came to Blackpool in the February and they gave her two weeks mm. to live, if you remember. And she was yeah, in the yeah. hospice then for three weeks and they got her home and it was in July. And she said to me, I've done well, haven't I? And I said, what do you mean? She went, well, I've, I've given you extra months, haven't yeah. I? As if she was saying, is it OK now? Can I go now? And she said, and I want Erin to have this ring and I want Steve mm-hmm. to have this and all. And then she said, can you believe we're talking about me dying? And I said... No, but it, it's okay if you want to. It was think, it was yeah. a lovely moment for me, um, in the fact that I think she said, I, you know, I, I I remember these things because of my diagnosis as well. You know, I, I'm living with that kind of time bomb thing, mm. you know. And I think of her with a lot a lot of things that I go through and think, I wonder if I'll be as brave as her or as you know, she was amazing, wasn't she? Yeah. Organizing everything and. Um, well, because I think with her up until that moment, yeah, she, she never, wouldn't. she was never even acknowledged no. that that was ever an option. She, no, she, no, yeah. that was a, that, that was, was a shock thing. for me as yeah. well because she didn't. You're right; she was organising yeah. to go away, wasn't yeah. she, on holiday? And we were going to tour again. Remember? And that's she was right. Like, I'll be fine. And yeah. And then we were going to America for Maureen's 60th birthday. Mm. And Bernie said, I can't fly because of her lungs. And she was looking at getting a cruise, you yeah, know, getting she never a, really accepted she never, it, no. But then that was her way of dealing with it, I Yeah, suppose. and maybe that's what kept her going even longer yeah. than they thought she would. Absolutely. But, um, it's funny because grief, everybody grieves differently. Oh, completely. I mean, our family are hilarious. Yeah. Tommy, our... Our eldest brother, Tommy, who you know, he's our eldest brother. Uh, he comes in, doesn't he? And he's yeah. just telling jokes and what's... Yeah. Come blah, blah. on now, come yeah. on now. Let's it's do done this. now. Absolutely, right, come well. on. Let's let's talk mm. about something else. And Brian goes very quiet. And then if somebody says, Auntie Sheila's flying in from Ireland, he goes, mm. I'll pick them up because yeah. he wants to get away from it. You yeah. know, Maureen makes tea. Yeah. You know, um, it's, you know, Auntie Teresa, God bless her. Mm. She used to whisper, didn't she? Yeah. <laughs> whisper in the corner about, they've died. I think I've learned from it that you have to let people do that. Yeah, you have you to know, let people I've, grieve in their own way. 13 years Brian is gone and I only cleared his wardrobe out maybe two years ago. Mm. I couldn't bear it. Every time I'd go up, I'd open the door and close it. And yet, and Teresa, when her husband died, she cleaned it out the same day. Well, yeah, and Brian, when Lindsay died, yeah. never went back to the house. No. Didn't want any pictures or anything. No. And sometimes that's hard for other people. What did you find hard as far as, um, you know, when you saw friends or you were saying one day you saw someone and they crossed the street? Oh, pe- because they don't know what to say to you. Mm. So so what would you say to those people? Just say, I don't know what to say to you, mm. but I'm here. 
That's all you want. You don't expect them, to, you know, you don't have to go up and say you're very brave. You know, the things people say are, are hilarious mm. sometimes as mm. well. People used to say to me, I don't think Brian would have coped as well as you have. You know, because grief is irrational, isn't it? Yeah. I remember crying once and saying to you, do you think, you know, I loved him? And you all went, oh, for God's sake. Yeah. You couldn't go shopping without phoning him twice, yeah. you know. Oh God, that used to drive me mad. <laughs> That absolutely drove me insane. I've just got a phone, Brian, to tell him we're at the shop, so we've just left him. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, I think you have to let everybody deal with it in their own way. I mean, I had my best friends, Graham and Sue, as you know, and we we lived with them for a little while, and then uh, you know they live in Blackpool, so we're there all the time. I didn't go to their house for six months. And every time I arranged to go to their house for dinner or whatever, I would phone up and go, I can't, I can't do it yet. Mm. And it was because I'd never been there without Brian and to sit at their table with his chair missing. I thought, I don't know how I'm going to cope. And Mm. eventually I did it. The three of us sat down and I went, it's really weird, isn't it, that he's not here. And we all had a little cry Mm. and then it it was okay. Mm. It's making that first big, brave step Mm. because it will be okay. You know, it's 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 hard to to accept that it will ever be okay again. But mm. it's okay. I miss him every day. There's not a day goes by that seriously that I do not think of him. Mm. And where you know, I think I wonder what Brian would do, or just even think oh, I miss Brian, and that's okay as well. And people grieve for for much longer than I did. Mm. You know, properly mm. grieve. But I, I just always say to friends, you don't have to go through it alone. Mm. That's the main thing. And I think that's why. I don't mind talking about it because if somebody is sitting at home on their own without mm. a great family or great yeah. friends, you know, there's so much help out there. I, I have found that. And for me, my counsellor was amazing because I, you were grieving as well. You were mm. grieving f- because you love Brian mm. and you were grieving for me. Mm. And so for me to go to you or phone you at four in the morning and go, although I did a couple of times, mm. but to go you know, to put my grief on top of you then, it was easier for me to go to the counsellor and say, I hate the world. But equally, I think, um, you know, when people say to you, listen, I'm here for you and you can phone me any time. But when you're that person, you go, I don't want to disturb them (laughs) at two in the morning. But when people say that, they they mean mean it. And I think if you are on your own and you haven't got a, a big network of family or you've only got that one friend... I think that friend means it. Yeah. And I think you should... And it makes them... F- because they don't know what to do. they don't know what to do. So if, if just listening to you on a phone call or going around and holding your hand, it gives them something to do. Yeah. Um, but equally for that person, don't feel guilty about going, actually, I am going to phone them. I know. Guilt is a ridiculous thing, isn't Guilt it? Guilt is terrible. Um, and if you do phone them at two in the morning and they don't want to answer the phone, they won't. Mm. You know what I mean? If they didn't mean it. Mm. But I think, like you say... Well, I know that all of you did because I mm. did it mm. a couple of times, you know, and I came and stayed with you for about yeah, four yeah. weeks. And was it, it only was four a, weeks? Oh, stop it. You know, you were desperate when I, I left. It was four years. <laughs> I'm still not over it. You may not be leaving this <laughs> studio if you're not careful. <laughs> not alive, anyway. Um, well, that'll be handy. <laughs> yeah. One way to end the podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and she never left. Do oh. you think, like, we've just had a laugh now mm. and we've been talking about really tragic, sad stuff. Yeah. Do you think people, sometimes people feel guilty, like you said, about even having At a At the laugh, time. Or having oh, yeah, a joke definitely. about death. But I think, for me, sometimes you have to. 
Oh, well, because you're on the border of hysteria in laughing or hysteria, hysteria in sobbing, you yeah. know. And so it's a very thin line. And I think, it, you know, if that's what you want to do, then mm. do it. You mm. have to not worry about what other people think. Well, I think that's the thing. But I think we all do that. And especially in this day and age of social media. Yeah. I think you always... Sometimes you do things like I don't necessarily post things on Bernie's birthday and all of that, yeah. but all of you do. Yeah. And I have sat at home, especially the first time it happened, and I thought, oh, I, I better post something. Because <laughs> yeah. like you said... You felt obliged. No, it's that thing of, well, they might think I didn't love her. Yeah, absolutely. But now I've got to a point where I've thought, it doesn't matter. No, you do. I don't do. care what yeah. anyone thinks. I'm not posting for other Be- people absolutely, to, yeah. to get approval from. Yeah. But I think people do now they do i mean i get great comfort out of doing that because you know she said about Mm. on her birthday having a Mm. drink so Mm. i love when people put a drink up to birdie you know and again it's what you want to do like you said you've got to do it for yourself and maybe we should it is difficult watching someone grieving though isn't it when they're grieving different to how you grieve because sometimes it's hard not to go how can you do that when you've just lost that person yeah i couldn't do that absolutely you know what i mean and yeah I think we've got to check ourselves now and go stop judging people on the way you would be. Absolutely. It's not you. It's not yeah. you. I mean, I worked it. the night we lost Lindsay, our sister-in-law. Yeah. I worked that night because mm. I was doing a show. And, I, 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 you know, I thought maybe I'll feel better if I work and mm. I'll do it for Lindsay and all of that. Um, and I'd imagine some people would have gone, I can't believe she's working. Mm. Her sister-in-law's died. But like you say, just whatever gets you yeah, for it and absolutely. helps you along. So, so the moments, because I know even now you still have what you call duvet days. Yeah. Where you're just not in the mood for anything. And yeah. You want to wallow for a day, basically, absolutely, and yeah. cry or whatever. Yeah. How do you find the strength then to not carry that on? Especially earlier on earlier on it's really difficult Mm. like you know you know if someone was out there and thinking I can't get out from this duvet do what works for you but for me again it was through counselling was that yes like you're saying a day on the couch Mm. wallowing if you like Mm. having a good cry and you know thinking about everything but then also remember that if you get up and you go out and get some fresh air and a walk, mm. it it helped. It really does help. Mm. It gets you out of a rut. I mean, and it's another hour that's part. You, absolutely, you. yeah. And feel like like for example, these last couple of weeks now, mm. um, you've all been away. Mm. Denise and I were in London. Mm. You're mm. here in mm. in Manchester. Maureen's in Florida. Mm. And I pl- I have planned for these weeks because I don't want to be on my own mm. too much. I can have a couple of days on my own, but then I'll phone up and go, should we go for dinner tonight yeah. to a friend? Or should we, anybody fancy going to the park or whatever? Because I know now, but there was a time when Brian died where all I wanted to do was curl really up on the sofa and just everybody leave me alone, mm. really. And again, it's that thing, I wouldn't have done that without getting mm. help and asking for help, you know. I remember when I was phoning the Samaritans, I thought, I mean, I did phone... Um, about twice and hang up because <laughs> mm. I, I didn't know what to say, you know. Yeah. And then eventually I just said, my husband's died and I, I don't want to. And I was on the phone for about 40 minutes mm. just chatting, mm. you know, just talking Sometimes about it. that's and, all you need. And yeah. away from family. And and then, of course, when I put the phone down, I was exhausted and I fell asleep, mm. you know. And it was, it, it really helped me. Yeah, I've talked a lot um, to, you know, crews, yeah. bereavement. They're in they're incredible. Oh, I, I know so many people who've been helped by them. Yeah. yeah, they are incredible. And they do know what you're going through. Yeah. Well, you know, that's we've it. We've all lost someone. Yeah. And I was saying about grief as well, that we talk about, um, you know, family members, friends that have passed away, all of that. But there's also people out there, and, and nobody, on uh, many people 
don't understand this, who grieve like that over their animal, like their oh, dog, well, because that's yeah. been their only comfort. Well, and people yeah. go, it's only a dog. I know. But I put that, now when I do that and put, people don't understand don't your, understand. what you're going through. Yeah. I had, um, we had a Bichon Frise Hudson mm. and you bought it for us. Yeah. And he was 17 and a half when he died. Mm. He died um, in 2015. So when he died, it was the last little piece of Brian for yeah. me that was dying as well. Mm. And he used to lie on the bed with me, Hudson, and he would wake me up licking tears off my face oh. where I'd be crying in yeah. my sleep. And if I didn't get out of bed until four in the afternoon, he'd he just lie on the bed. Mm. He wouldn't want to go out. He'd mm. wait, you know. And and when he, I took him, you know, to be put down and, oh, it was absolutely heartbreaking. I was traumatised because, yeah. you know, like I say, it was like, that's I've lost everything up now that... Mm. I remember, I think I was with you the, the year that Brian died, the two, going into New Year's Day. And when I woke up on New Year's Day, I was, wasn't ready for how sad I would feel mm. that there was going to be a whole year that Brian wouldn't be a part of or mm. know of. And sometimes I say to our great nieces and nephews, they call him, you know, your husband in the sky, mm. <laughs> as if I've got loads of them yeah. all over the place. Your husband in the sky. And I go, yeah, and they go, so what did he do? And, you know, mm. if they talk about it. And I can't believe that... Uh, some of them don't even know him, no, no. don't even know what he looks like or, you know, and and I always go to them, oh, he would have driven you mad, but you would have loved him because he was a prankster, yeah, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, it was a right wind up, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that New Year's Day was a shock as well. I think you prepare for all the first anniversaries mm. and then it comes to the second year and you don't prepare and oh, the panic and then all of a sudden it's a day, mm. you know, then it it goes and the next day is there and nothing has changed and mm. and 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 that's when you start to heal a little bit and you know do you look back now um because you've come so far now and 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 I'm not saying that I know you've forgotten him because like you said <laughs> no. you'll never forget him but there was a time where if you said to me god that guy's attractive isn't he and then oh, you would be yeah. riddled with guilt remember you go and talk to my counselor about that yeah. <laughs> yeah and that went on for quite a few years oh yeah and i think now you can say that Without, oh, without feeling that guilt. Yeah. Do you look back and go, like, would you say to somebody, it's natural to feel guilty, but you don't need to now? Can oh, you understand why you don't but, Yeah, need but I can only understand now because I've been, been through, through it. it. So I think when it's happening to you, you know, uh, uh, yes, don't feel guilty mm. because, you know, y you've had your love and you will always have had that love. And mm. um, But it's it's easy to say, you know, I am... I, um, I think I just, the guilt's always there. I still have guilty moments about Bernie. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I should have spent more time with her. Or I should have done that. Or yeah. when she invited me there, I should have gone. And, yeah, yeah. But guilt is a ridiculous. It's, it is it's a ridiculous no used thing. to man, no beast. Yeah. But it's there and it's, um, you know, like I said earlier, grief is irrational. So mm. you, you're, if you sit down and think about what you're thinking at times, you think, that's just silly. He yeah. would not be bothered about that or she would not be bothered about that. I was going to say that, Actually, if you really think about the people that you've lost when you know them that well, yeah. the, the thing that's also got me through in the beginning with Bernie, when there was days where I thought, I, I don't want to go out, yeah. I don't want to go to work, I don't yeah. want to do anything. Um, and all I kept thinking about was the time she said, you can cry for two weeks a lot. <laughs> yeah. I deserve it. I deserve and to get out there yeah. and start your life. And it was actually those words that I remembered that propelled me forward to yeah. carry on and do what I... Because I knew, I thought, if I really know Bernie, she would be here now going, get out of the bed. Yeah, absolutely. No. 
And Brian, you know, he because he had cancer as well, so we used to speak about, you know, yeah. with life-threatening illnesses. Mm. So we used to talk about and used to say to me, well, I would want you to go out and do the, the best show you could do. Mm. I went, what, the day you've died? Yeah. I went, don't be ridiculous. I went, I'll give it a week and then I'll get back out there again. <laughs> but, you know, and, and that's another thing. Because of our illnesses, he arranged his funeral, like yeah. Bernie did. Yeah. And I think... I think that is an amazing thing to do because it took all the pressure really off me. You know, when you know you go to funerals. I remember at Dad's funeral, and somebody was saying, "Oh, he'd have loved this," and I'm thinking in my head, "Actually, would have hated this." Mm. You know, mm. um, but with Brian, when people said it, I went, "Yeah, he would have." He, 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 well, he, he he arranged it all, mm. so it was exactly what he wanted. Mm. You know, and I think that I say that to people now, to my friends, and and I've said it to you know to the girls and yourself probably that just write it down and then put it away in a drawer and then mm. it's there for so there's not people going like we would never have thought Bernie would be her whole service would be in a theatre. No. But it made so much sense because yeah. that was her life, wasn't yeah. it? Her her religion, if you like. But like with mom, obviously she wants to full mass and mm. and every, I, I just think it's easier for the people that you leave behind. And I think I've learned that from losing so many people, and particularly Brian, is that it's the partners. They've been married for sixty odd mm. years, and then somebody dies, and you go, "Oh, they had a great life together, though." And you go, "Yeah, but now they've lost half of them." Yeah, and. Oh yeah, it. I honestly, it makes me go like, it makes me shudder thinking about being left when waking up the morning after Brian had died and thinking, oh no, it wasn't a nightmare. Yeah. It's true. Yeah, it's real. But it's finding the strength to to carry on from that. Yeah, that's the whole thing. And and you do it the best way you can. Yeah, you know, and immediately you think, I don't want to be here, and you're mm. gonna, you know, mm. possibly get really bad thoughts. Don't phone someone. There's people out there that will make you realise that, you know, I would have missed out because I, I was suicidal at times, but I would have missed out on all of, you know, your kids growing nephews, up yeah. and my great nieces and nephews. I wouldn't have known any mm. of them. And and I've, I've had I've I've done some lovely things and I've had a great, a great life since Brian died. It was a better life when he was here, but I it, it's been worth living. And I'm so glad that I. I stuck with it, mm, you know. Yeah. It would that was the easy way out, you know, to take tablets and say I'm not going to be here anymore. But it but was then you think about then the people that you've left behind. Yeah. Well, I wrote, I wrote a letter well. to you all, mm. and I, I started off by going, "I know you will all understand." Mm. Well, of course, of course, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> now I realise that because none of you thought I would be here this long without Brian and mm. blah de blah de blah and, and all of that and then when I read it back or I, I showed it to and at the end I put mm. P.S. somebody look after the dog mm. and Bri our brother Brian went well two things we won't understand and nobody's having the dog so <laughs> don't even think about so it no yeah no it. point I know. but at the time you think you're doing the best thing for everyone you know but then don't you think not necessarily suicide notes no but don't you think as well even that um writing down yeah, well, that's what they writing said. They told me to do. To the person yeah. you've lost, you know, yeah. explaining just how you writing feel. how you feel. Yeah, how, how you feel. You know, and then you look back on the, you know, you get to the Monday and you look back on the, on the last week and you think, wow, I got through that week and I mm. did some good stuff. And mm. it's like I didn't decorate my house for like six years mm. after Brian because I thought I can't change it. 
Yeah. And you all said, come and live with me. And I didn't want to. I wanted to be there um, because I felt closer to him there. Mm. Eventually, Denise came in and went, we've got to change the bed linen. It's yeah. calling out to us. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they're all the little thing. I still have a T-shirt. I still buy. He used to wear Dior Fahrenheit um, aftershave. And I still spray that on the pillow sometimes mm. just so I can. That wow. smell of him there. Yeah. That reminds you of him. So for, um, I mean, obviously now you have this incurable but treatable yes indeed cancer um and people come up to me all the time and go i mean your sister linda she's been through this and she's been through that and now she's got the cancer diagnosis and how does she carry where does she get her strength from (laughs) where do you i don't know um well i think it's like i said you know what's my option my option is to just sit at home and and let cancer win, if you like, by making me somebody who doesn't go out and doesn't want to enjoy life. If I've only got, I don't know how much time I've got left, but if I've only got a couple of years left, I want to make the most of it, mm. you know. Mm. And so that's why I, you know, make sure I go for my treatment, take my tablets, try and look after myself. Mm. And and you do keep in touch with family and friends a lot. Absolutely. More, more, more so, yeah, yeah because it, they're... You know, life is short, mm. and um, and so to let the people that you know that you tell them that you love them, mm. and um, and and embrace it, mm. embrace it, have the best time you can because, like I say, otherwise you know your illness wins and yeah. or grief wins, and you know, and then and uh, you're like another you statistic. Said, you don't get over it, but it gets. It gets easier, easier and you learn to live a different life. Yeah. But your memories will never, ever go. And you're, you know, he's in your heart. He's in my heart. Yeah. He'll always, doesn't matter what happens to me, if I met somebody married again, whatever, Brian will always have a piece of my heart because mm. he was my first love. And, you know, he may only be my, my only love, but mm. I had the best. So. Well, on that note. Thank you. You are a force of nature. Thank you very much. You're not bad at this, you know. Uh, do you know what? I feel like we're sitting in the lounge, except there's no tea, which is Absolute really rude of tea. Me. Um <laughs> little, what is it, a spiced rum now you'd be having. Shh, don't, don't give away my secrets. Um, no, I really appreciate you. Oh, it's a pleasure. It. Thank and, you. And um, really very proud of you. You are amazing. Thank very you. Very brave. And I love you. And I love you too. <laughs> there you go. See you later. So I'm joined now by Manny who is co-op funeral director. Yes. Have you noticed how funerals have changed over the years? I know growing up, for me, going to family funerals um, or friend funerals was very solemn and everyone was in black and it was very religious. Do you notice the change now? We do, we do. So obviously those sort of more traditional funerals are still there. Mm. Um, and and also then I think these days now, it's uh, I think that celebration of life is quite important. I've seen growing up uh, um, friends from a, a Caribbean or African background. Mm. So there was a lot of upbeat music, a lot of... Yeah. Um, uh, they celebrate life, don't they? This is it, death. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think sometimes we sort of, we, we forget that mm. at the funeral, mm. that we know we're there because you know we've lost a loved one, but this loved one also has also had a great life. Mm. They've you know, accomplished sort of so much and... Uh, whether that be through career, families, um, achievements. So a lot more people now are sort of um, going towards that celebration of life. We noticed this year, uh, sort of um, during lockdown, to be fair, because a lot of people couldn't attend funerals yeah. due to numbers. People were having sort of a, a, a party or a pre-week beforehand mm. um, and then sort of celebrating that way, you know, sort of 
best the best they could. Whether that, whether that'll catch on, I, I'm not sure. But again, it's something we've noticed in Nottingham with uh, you know a younger a, a younger crowd. There's no limit now on what you can have. You know, you can. So there's nothing you wouldn't necessarily do. So, what's been the most bizarre thing? I have to ask. I'd you. say the most bizarre that a family have requested mm. um, is this particular um, stick family. Their their loved one was in. Um, he worked in some sort of uh, film industry, so he worked mm. with a lot of props. Right. Um, and they want they actually had, had had a prop of an arm and a leg mm. that they wanted to stick on the outside of the coffin. <laughs> as they travelling to the crematorium. Like it looked like he was trying to get out. So. Love the idea, but I wasn't quite sure whether it was. Could we do it? Was it yeah, was, was yeah. it appropriate or not? Yeah. So obviously we spoke to my manager, and uh, I think head office got a call. Mm. Um, because to be fair, if that's what they want, and it's obviously you know, you can clearly see the coffin shut. Yeah, yeah. Um, not a problem. And yeah. that's brilliant because I think for anyone listening now. You know, if you were thinking, because a lot of people have, oh, I don't want to go to funeral directors because they're going to make it and they won't do what we want. But it's great to hear that you will absolutely support so whatever the family wants. This is it. So uh, what what I would say is, is is the biggest thing that we get taught is is to sit and listen, mm. see what 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 a family's wishes are, what that what their loved ones' wishes were, and you know you try and make each funeral sort of. Y- y- Unique to them, yeah. The fundamentals will always be the same. There'll be, there'll be a coffin, there'll be a hearse, there'll mm. be following cars. But from there, we can, you know, we could change the hearse from motorcycle hearse. Mm. We can have um, a horse and carriage, mm. you know, and, and you can change your carriage colours. You know, there's now a a tandem bicycle with a, a hearse box on the side. Really? So there's that option. Wow. We've done funerals where we've not used a hearse. They've asked us to take the loved one up there in the ambulance first, and then the family arrive. So some some of them they don't want the hearse because they don't want it to be out there. Take it in an ambulance. So oh. so so in in, in in a in a private ambulance. Oh, I see. There's no limit to how we can plan or arrange a funeral. Mm. So you know, as imaginative as you'd like to get, mm. you know, most of the times we can um, we can cater. That's amazing. Yeah. And do you find it easier? Um, you know, people have said that I've spoken to. Um, you know, during the podcast that when family members who knew that they were sick and possibly dying have left instructions, do you find that easy? Do you notice how much easier that is on the families? I'd say in general, yes. Um, so there'll be, so whether that's instructions from a wishes form or a funeral plan, when the funeral sort of set, set out there, I think that's one less burden for the family. Yeah. For some families, it's, this is what one's wishes were. Fantastic. Mm. We're going to go with this. Yeah. And other times, like, actually, we knew what mum meant to us. So we want to do it this way. So we want to do it this way. Do you feel that you almost become the mediators in that situation? Almost. Almost. And it's it's about finding that balance. It's about making sure that whatever decisions are made that day, that the family are happy with. Yeah. You know, and I hate to think that a family have left my office or I've left their house. And they're feeling, actually, most of the choices I made. Yeah. So I'd rather suggest the choices mm. and let them decide. What about after the funeral? Is there aftercare? After a funeral's taken place, there'll always be what we call checking calls. So we'll sort of uh, check in the family sort of week one, week two, week three. Um, just sort of see how they're doing. There'll be certain things that uh, will happen after the funeral's taken place. So once the ashes come back into our care, mm. we'll contact them again and say that your loved one's back. We'll just sort of check in from time to time. And then some families you will notice may not need that as regular. Yeah. 
uh, and there'll be other families or smaller families or people that you know maybe it's just that couple mm. and now they've and lost that partner after 30 mm. 40 50 60 years it's you'll go that extra mile just to check in are you okay mm. how are you coping yeah um some families or um members of the community will pop in from time to time mm. and they'll sort of come and have a chat with you and say yeah i've been up to this or your, your sister mm. said earlier you know that first time going to back to her friend's house yeah was, was very different about her partner and mm. um, somebody's family it's you know it, it's it's those things where they would have gone to the shops together mm. or you know gone to the post office or just gone for a walk around the block or to the park mm. it's doing those things that for the first time without that person there mm. is normally the hardest mm. so you know if we can help in in whichever way and you know if we're there ourselves we put put them in contact with people like Cruz yeah. Um, who, who 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 do a fantastic job? Yeah, amazing. It's, it's just a case, I think, just looking out for everybody. Yeah, and making sure that everyone's everyone's where they need to be. Mm. Well, it's great to know that people now can, you know, get in touch with yourselves at co-op funeral and, you know, put their wishes forward, and they're not going to be laughed out the door Absolutely. Or, or said no to, and, you know, done with dignity and love and respect. Of I course, guess, you know, and lovely. and. And I guess, you know, maybe that was the case 30 years ago, 40 years ago. Maybe things were done a certain way. Yeah. Um, but I think now as, you know, society moves on, um, the world's moved on, and then all of a sudden what might have been strange 40 years ago yeah. is now the norm. It's now the norm, yeah. So, and, you know, and and, 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 I, and, I'm all, and I'm all for being different. Yeah. You know, so... And for people having what they want. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's that's important. It's also then it, it helping the grieving process. Mm. You know, because yeah. if, if it's done the way they would like it to be done, I think that helps. Oh, of course, massively it does. You because know? there's nothing better than going, they had a great send-off and it's exactly what they would have wanted. That's know, I had it. that with my sister and, you know. No, of course. And I think, you know, that initial sort of period between arranging and day of the funeral, it, it, it can feel very pressured and, yeah. and, and very... You are preoccupied in, in, in one respect. Mm. But I think also you, there's a lot of pressure. Mm. There's, there's a lot of weight on certain shoulders. But after the service, you can see the smiles. You can yeah. see that weight's been lifted almost. Yeah, and you're there, I guess, to help take some of that pressure off. We'll definitely try. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and you know, we're there as a guiding hand. You know, for some people, it, it's the first time they've ever yeah. you know, walked into a funeral home. So it's, you know, it's about guiding them. It's about, you know, showing that it, you're not here on your own. Yeah, which you is know? amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Manny, thank you so much uh, for coming in. And also, you know, well, I'm going to put you forward as for me when I pop my clogs. Bless you. I'm loving your ideas. <laughs> Hopefully no time soon. Wait till you get my wishes. <laughs> you won't know what to do with yourself. You will be put to the test, I tell you. Bless you. Thanks, Manny. You're very thank welcome. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast is a Reach production brought to you by Co-op Funeral Care. Together, no one has to deal with bereavement alone.